Well, Merry Christmas. It's, um, it's a special Christmas for our family, our first one here at Springwood Baptist Church. Um, I'm Nate. For those who haven't met me, I um, became uh, one of the pastors here about seven months ago or so. Uh, so still many faces around the room I don't know, and obviously some of you are visitors as well. So welcome here as we celebrate Christmas. Just want to honour the, the Griebits are in the house today who pastored this church wonderfully for a year before me and graciously were really supportive in the handover as well. I, I know that they would want to wish you a Merry Christmas as well. Go up and, and bombard them after the service, crash tackle them, give them a big cuddle. That, they'd love it. Um, uh, and my, my parents are here. Hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. Good. I hope to make you proud. Ah, dear. Here we go. So, the Jews had this expectation that one day God was going to send his king, his Messiah, and establish his kingdom, God's reign on earth. It was a big deal, this idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He was going to put his king on the throne and call his people back to himself. This was to be the king of kings. And if this was going to be the king of kings, if you had a purely worldly understanding of what makes a king impressive, and I told you to describe that, you would think big palace, you would think big army, you would think powerful connections, you would think impressive family line. A number of Jews thought the Messiah was going to come and in that moment destroy all their enemies for them. Now imagine you are a Jew and you hear news that apparently the Messiah has been born. And so you go, oh, I'm going to go check this out. And on the way, you start to approach and then you see this like basic room that seems for, to be for animals. And you're a bit like, okay, this is not what I was expecting to see. And then you see a baby in a manger. And for the kids here, it's like animal feeding. That's what a manger is. It's like filthy. It's for animals. All right. And then you see very ordinary looking parents. And then you see shepherds who are really kind of religious outsiders. They can hardly ever get to temple because they're never clean enough. And in this scene, even though it's officially years after Jesus was born, you see these magi and to the Jews, these magi are pagan foreigners. What are they doing here? Very confusing. You might be quite disillusioned. You might go, no, 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 this is definitely not the Messiah. And isn't it true that that's exactly what many Jews thought? This is not the Messiah. Uh-uh, not this guy. But as we see at Jesus' birth, and as we see in the life of Jesus, that wasn't everyone's reactions. Some people worshipped. Some people saw this baby as the king of kings. There is amazing symbolism over who is present at the coming of the king and who is not. Who, and who is present at the coming of the king and who is not. But let's step back and take a bird's eye view here of what we as Christians celebrate at Christmas time. We believe that every human being was made in the image of God. And part of what that means is that you are filling out your purpose in this life if you are being a faithful image of God, that you are faithfully imaging his justice into the world, his goodness, his love, his creativity, his mercy, you are tr and, and all under the idea that as you are a faithful image of him, that you trust him to define good and evil. You don't define that. You're not God. You trust God to define good and evil. He is the king and we rule through, you know, he trusts us to rule his world on his behalf, being faithful images of who he is, being made in the image of God. So our call as humans, we have this beautiful call 
to simply love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength and love our neighbour as ourselves. We are called to enjoy that, to live that out, to live out our created purpose, to be faithful images of God. And we believe that humanity, and Kelly talked to the kids about it, Humanity has collectively turned from that because humanity wanted to define good and evil for themselves. God is not king. I am king. And, and if you want to know, one of the heart of the Adam and Eve narrative is they wanted to define good and evil for themselves. And so they turned their back on God. So God's over there. We've turned their back. They're now walking away. And we call that attitude sin. And so what has happened because of sin is there is distance between the relationship between God and us. Like any broken relationship, like if I do something, I don't always work it out straight away, but sometimes I do something that will upset Esther and there will be a distance between us. And someone needs to cross the distance for that relationship to be restored, correct? If no one crosses the distance, the relationship is not restored. And I'll work out what I did wrong and I'll go over and apologise. Now... Here's the thing. Now, what we celebrate at Christmas time is this, and this is profound. There is distance created between us and God. Who crosses the distance? God. Wrath. They're correct. At Christmas time, we remember that God crossed the distance to us. Isn't that special? That God crosses the distance to us. He heals the relationship with us. When Jesus, the Son of God, was born in a manger, it's this amazing mystery of God pursuing us in his love, coming to us, coming to be with us. And in the life that he lived when he came to us, he, he was a king of a completely different nature. He came to serve and not be served. He gave out this wide invitation that included the outcast, the lowly, the humble, the sinner. And, and so he, was in, he sent out this beautiful wide invitation. So he didn't just come, he came, he served, he sent out this wide invitation. And then we know also that the King of Kings dies for his people. He dies on the cross for us. And he is the king that has risen again. And so we have this beautiful idea, this belief as Christians, that anyone who repents and believes, and I'm going to use that same image to represent it to you, so God pursues us, a Christian is someone who turns and receives the love that has come all the way to them first. We are not someone who turns and tries to make their way back to God. God has pursued us. And we are those who believe that we are called to repent, to turn and believe, receive from the God that has pursued us, receive his love. And so that he can lead us back to who we were created to be, which is to simply be faithful images of God back in relationship with him. So the king of kings in the manger is still the king and you can embrace his forgiveness and follow him as your king. You can turn Anyone can turn and receive the king's love. Now, that may seem like a really easy thing to do, turn and receive. How hard is that, right? But the truth is, it's really hard. It's really hard because the moment you turn, you acknowledge that you are not the king. If you want to face in this direction and receive, 
You are not the king. If you believe your life is about you and you define good and evil and, it's all, and you are the centre of the universe, then of course you won't turn and receive his love. Of course you won't repent and believe. You won't turn and receive that love. But for those who are humble enough to acknowledge that they need his forgiveness, for those that are humble enough to lay down their crown and follow him, they can be part of this internal relationship with this wonderful, pursuing God. We believe something amazing at Christmas time. But to receive that love that has pursued us, we must be people who can submit. We must be people who can repent. We must be people who can be dependent on God. And so thinking of that, even at his birth, we can see that different characters respond to Jesus differently. If we can bring up that first slide, looking at the first two verses, let's, have a, let's, let, let's introduce ourselves to these magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, the Gospel of Matthew, which this passage is from, was had a, had its audience was like Jewish in its intention. So when Matthew was writing this, it was for Jews. And this, for a Jew, is a very hard passage to read because what they are seeing is that these magi are welcome to come and worship the king. That is full on for them because they are pagans. They are people who follow practices that are forbidden. They are from, they are from regions that the Jews call unclean. And so they're reading this narrative going, oh, okay. So the Magi are likely pagans who have... And, and what's really crazy about the story is that God seems to have reached them through their pagan practices. So God has truly met them where they are at. Isn't that insane? That's a really crazy idea. But if you're a Jew reading this, you're thinking, wait, they are welcome to worship the Messiah. Those guys are welcome to worship the Messiah. And they don't just worship him, they, how they worship him. You think, you think of all the Jews that are absent, who won't even acknowledge that this guy is the Messiah. Look how these guys honour the Messiah. Let's read about it. And with the next slide. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And I love this. Not only do they honour God with these amazing gifts, but they are entrusted in the story with playing a role in protecting the Messiah. Isn't that crazy that these people are, are entrusted with a role in protecting the Messiah? And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, who wants to kill the child, they return to their country by another route. And we know from Luke's gospel, of course, that shepherds were also there when Jesus was born. And we know that shepherds were largely excluded from temple worship and it was hard for them to be ceremonial clean. So straight away, we have these strong symbols that this savior, this Messiah has, is going to find a special place with people who are labeled outsider, with people that are labeled sinner, with people that find it the people are on the fringes, and we're going to see that in his ministry as he goes on. Maybe it's because the sinner, the one who's labelled a sinner, maybe it's because the outsider knows how to, if you can remember this image, maybe it's because they know how to turn and acknowledge their need of God. They know how to turn and acknowledge their need of forgiveness. But what about King Herod? So that's the Magi. They're, one, they're someone in the story. But let's read about King Herod. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. 
and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Herod's attitude to the king of kings should resonate with us. We know exactly what he's doing. When he hears of another claiming the title of king, his reaction is to crush it. He says he wants to worship him, but we know later in the narrative he will take action to cry and to try and kill Jesus. You see, to follow Jesus, this is what I said before, we actually need to lay down our crown. Herod does the polar opposite. When he finds out there is another king, the king of kings, he clings to his crown with all his might and seeks to crush the Messiah. See, we know, don't we, that the proud and the powerful don't easily respond to this king who asks them to repent and receive the forgiveness of the king. And what about the other people in this, in, this, in this passage, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, those who knew the scriptures, those who would be the ones teaching about the Messiah but missed the Messiah right in front of their eyes? Well, what we're going to learn from them in the Gospels is that they wanted a Messiah that suited them. They wanted God on their own terms. They wanted a Messiah that ticked their boxes. And when a Messiah showed up that didn't tick their boxes, uh uh-uh. He clearly isn't God then because he's not the God that justifies my prejudices. He's not the God that justifies my ideas. And so we have the proud and the the powerful. We have the presumptuous dismissing this saviour. If you want a king on your own terms that will justify you and will back you up, and justify your self-righteousness. You might miss this king of kings. So my simple question for you today is very simple. If we go to the next slide. Where are you in this story? When you hear that there is a king out there that says follow me. And asks you to repent. To turn your life and give your life to him and receive his forgiveness. Are you a Herod? Are you a Herod who instantly responds This life is my life, thank you very much. And you cling tightly to that. I will submit to no one. And and I I will demean and crush anyone who suggests that my life is anything but mine. Maybe you're Herod. Hope not. Maybe you're like the chief priests and teachers of the law who had their own ideas of what God should be and what the Messiah could look like. And it's like, I, can go, I could go along with this Jesus thing, but I don't like A, B and C. So, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. He's probably not the guy. I'll look for something else. Or do you find yourself with the Magi? Do you find yourself with the shepherds worshipping him as king? Worshipping him as king. See, over 2,000 years ago, this Jesus was born. Even historians who don't believe in the Messiah will tell you that. This Jesus was born. And he did give out a wide invitation to follow him. 
And not everyone responded. Some people did, some people didn't. But can I just leave you this evening with one of those invitations? This king in this manger offered this invitation when he grew up. It goes, the, oh, actually, I haven't got a slide. I'm just going to read it to you. I forgot that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. This king has said, after pursuing you all the way and dying in your place and inviting you to follow him, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, we are all facing this way, but the King of Kings has come all the way and given you a beautiful invitation. He has said that if you are but turn, repent and receive, you can have rest for your soul. Isn't that a beautiful term? Rest for your soul. All it takes is for you to repent and believe in the King of Kings. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you that it's this moment in time where we remember what an amazing God we love and serve. He's not a God that stayed on top of a mountain and said, see if you can get to me. But even though we turn from him, he is a God who has lovingly pursued us. Come down, God, Emmanuel, God with us. He, is, he, has, he was with us in such an intimate, special way. He showed us what God was like in an amazing way, and gave us this beautiful invitation to follow him. I pray for everyone in this room that they would have a renewed desire to worship him, to come to him, to enjoy this King of Kings, to enjoy the rest for their souls that he offers. And if they've never done that for the first time, that they might have a special conviction on their heart to let go of their crown, to turn around and receive the love of the King. Repent and believe in him. Repent and believe in the King of Kings. Amen. Have you ever seen a reception line for a dignitary? Maybe at the airport when someone arrives and they roll out the red carpet and people line up to shake hands? Well, the carol we're going to finish with is a big carol. We started tonight quietly reflecting on Jesus uh, with Carly singing a beautiful song. And now we're going to sing a carol that talks about 